Good morning and welcome to The Week in CSGO. With me, your recurring host, Tim Masters, and our regular expert guest, Dr. Waldo. How are you this morning, Waldo? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be here. Um, and this will probably be my last time for a couple of weeks, so it's good to get a last one in and go out strong, hopefully. Some yeah. good predictions. I'm sure all our, all our listeners wish you good luck. Those who don't know, Waldo is on the, on the road to becoming a real doctor a real boy and uh, he's got a couple of important exams over the next few weeks so yeah everyone wishes him luck i'm sure the world certainly needs more good doctors i'm sure you'll be one but before that we need to talk about virtual people being made much less healthy in counter-strike um yeah i can't help feeling we didn't i don't know this is a side i've always wanted a game where you when you get shot in the leg like your character moves much more slowly and you're you know you're injured that sort of thing and about two years ago i can't remember the name of the game but i played one like it and it was incredibly annoying and i just realized how wrong i'd been the entire time was but it Fallout? It might have been Fallout, yeah. It might have or been. Skyrim. Yeah, just like I just realized that realistic damage is actually really, really annoying. And there's no soldier <laughs> in the world that actually gets hit by a bullet and continues to fight. So it's just, yeah, it's just realism has to stop at a certain point. I would prefer if there was less realism in my own life as well, but that's a different subject. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we've got Pro League. We've got Montpellier coming up. Um, we're going to hear Stunner try and say Montpellier, which is going to be beautiful. Um and for the first time in a while, we're also going to see Astralis, in theory, maybe, possibly, take on Team Liquid. But all the maybes and the possibilities and the theories are because, of course, this, that, this narrative, this two best teams in the world, they're not attending the same tournaments that started building in the wake of, I guess, Katowice, and then you know people starting to realize the effect Blast was having. This narrative has been building for a while, has been slightly spoiled by Astralis, who decided that they didn't want to be the best team in the world anymore. Uh, and they didn't play very well. So the kind of the, the interesting extra layer that's been added to this tournament since it was announced is we now no longer know whether Astralis or indeed Team Liquid are even good enough to make it to the point where they would meet, being as they have drawn in different groups. So I guess we'll start off with kind of like a, it's an easy question to some extent, but I think it's a lot more into it. We know that Astralis and Team Liquid should, in theory, be coming through this to meet. You know, you can see the whole thing's been set up for them to meet in the final. If you look at the two sides, Liquid maybe have a slightly harder side of the bracket in terms of having like some good teams on there. Mm-hmm. But if I was to ask you right now to put all of your money and your medical medical degree on Astralis beating Cloud Nine in their opening round match, would you be willing to do that? Yeah, that's a pretty safe bet. You think um, even even the current Astralis Cloud9? Because that's my thought, is that we've seen Astralis lose a best of three to Furia. And I could see Cloud9 beating Furia. I'm not saying they definitely would, but I don't think the teams are that far apart as people think. But I yeah. think there's a danger for Astralis. Because the thing is, if Astralis get past Cloud9, they play the winner of Detona and Heroic in the second round. Um, Mm -hmm. And with the best will in the world to Heroic, who have made some decent moves recently and look an okay team, I don't think we really expect either of those teams to hold a candle to to the Danish side. So is your expectation then that Astralis' first real challenge is going to come in upper bracket round three where they play the winner of most likely Fnatic and NRG? Yeah. Okay. And And go on, yeah. Yeah, my reasoning for that is right now Cloud9 is just, I mean, 
we'll get on to the cloud it's, nine it's hard yeah. it's hard for jack to buy good press right now <laughs> um when his former players are coming out and saying oh yeah that was that was kind of a mess yeah and like it was like i think we did good all things considered and that's the best you can say about your time with cloud nine so when kiyoshima um, comes out and talks crap about your team and no one says kiyoshima is the problem you know your team's got a problem that's basically it isn't it yeah, like Kyo has his reputation for not talking well about people and teams and stuff, but like when he came out and said what he said about, for those who don't know, he basically gave an interview to HLTV saying the Cloud9 setup was a mess and not a huge amount of you know organization, and everybody sort of read it and went, yeah, makes sense. So yeah, yeah, it's just one of those situations where it's the NA mentality. Like if you if you aren't having something working like as it is right now, change it so that it like has an instant impact and that's not how counter-strike works mm. um and i think that it's as an na fan it's tough to watch because truth truthfully the only team in na that's worth noting that hasn't been making shuffles you know in the last like three months or so is team liquid mm. and as an NA fan, it's kind of tough to have expectations of any of your teams when none of them play together long enough to, you know, really settle in and get used to playing with each other as a lineup. I mean, the team dynamic of Counter-Strike is so incredibly important. And it's um, advancing all the time as well. I think that's Astralis' massive contribution is they have pushed forward the meta of, you know, they basically killed the phase hero. You can no longer just be five good players. You actually have to be a team now. Right. Yeah. And I think Ens came in and proved that. And I think Liquid, you know, once they got Stewie settled in, I think that, you know, now that they're playing as a cohesive unit, I think that they're probably the really dangerous team in NA um, right now. Um, NRG seemingly starting to figure their stuff out now a little bit more as well. Yeah. Um, And we'll see how they do. as it stands right now, they are up on Fnatic, so um, they're doing at least pretty decently for themselves. But um, I, I would just... argue even Fury, by the way, make that point that you just made there, that yes, staying together yes. as a team is worth more than bringing in a new player sometimes. you know, That extra yeah. time you get in the server, that extra time you get to understand. And let's not forget, Fnatic and Nick, when they, when they started the kind of the, the world of CSGO as we know today, both did it with yeah, there was a lot of talent, but there was also this kind of like almost supernatural level of understanding when two of them were left on the bomb site. They just looked one, you know, they looked in the right direction to cover their teammate at all times. You, you're completely right. Counter Strike is not a game of five one versus ones. It's a game of five versus five, and like every every team needs to understand that. Now, you did bring us very interestingly onto NRG there. This is going to be unfortunately not their first event with Stanislaw. Mm-hmm. Daps is in the second most stupid employment situation he's found himself in since deciding to be a pundit when his team was playing in a tournament, uh, <laughs> where he has to captain a team that has already decided to kick him. Uh, and judging from all of the... I don't, any, anyone who's trying to read between the lines, I'm obviously not claiming to know this for sure, but it doesn't take a lot of subtlety to work out that Daps was not the person who made the decision for him to leave, up, for him to leave NRG, sorry. Like if you right. look at the, the literature that came out, the conversations that were had and the, the things that posted, he clearly didn't want to be kicked. Um, and clearly was kicked rather than choosing to step down in favour of Stan. Now, with that in mind, we don't think, I don't personally have 
much expectation, but do you see a possibility where there's kind of like a breakup sex situation for NRG and they end up actually playing some good Counter-Strike because they know they haven't got to deal with this crap anymore? I mean, it might happen. I mean... Tarek um, and Daps finally get along for one tournament. Oh, I don't know if they'll get along, but <laughs> yeah. they might play well. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things where, you know, you kind of hate to see it. I hate... And there was a big... Um, you know, Twitter back and forth um, between uh, Petar and um, who runs HLTV and uh, yeah. um, some people in the community and community organizers and stuff like that um, about what we can do in Counter-Strike to make sure that there are rules that don't force us to see teams play at tournaments with dead lineups. Um, like, it's... It sucks. It really just does suck. Um, and it sucks that... I mean, this is not able... uncommon, is it, in sport? I, I don't know about American sport, but in Europe, for example, we have many situations where a player's transfer will be arranged before the season ends, for example. So right. a good example would be like a, a player's contract will be expiring in June, and in January they can sign a pre-contract agreement with another team that will allow them to, sign, to, to move in June. Now, sometimes that player will be benched. Sometimes they'll play on, you know, out of respect. I guess the main difference is here, NRG can't just use a substitute like you would in sport. You know, If your right. star guy signed for another team in sport and you had to have him on your, on your roster for two more weeks until the transfer window opened, you normally would just sub someone else in. Right. But I tend to agree that there needs to be something done. The flip side of it is I, I didn't see the conversation, so I'd be fascinated to know what the conclusion was. How can you fix um, this in an open system? <laughs> There really wasn't a yeah. solution. It was just it was mostly people just airing grievances about man, it really sucks that we have to watch lineups play that aren't gonna be together by yeah. the end of the tournament. So Look on the bright side. Yeah. We said the same thing about MIBR and then a year later they had the same lineup anyway, so it was fine. Yeah. We said it sucks, go. we've got to watch them with Phelps, but they're not even gonna be playing with Phelps. Guess what? We were just twelve months too early. They are gonna be playing with Phelps again. So yeah. Daps, twelve months time, you're back in NLG, ESL Montpellier, season ten finals. <laughs> Mark my words. No. Yeah. But seriously, but, we'll get onto it. Daps has probably got possibly got some good news coming, so not too much right there. Yeah. yeah. And then the other one but, I want to ask about is G two. Yeah. Um I don't know. I don't really have high expectations for G two. Um they were they kind could of, face Fnatic in the Yeah. Yeah, I don't I just don't like they haven't done anything you don't believe to prove to me to prove to me that they can consistently win. Yeah. I mean, they can win and get a result here and there. Tier um, 2 and Tier 3. But, yeah, but I just can't... Um, until they can consistently beat teams at like the highest level of competition, yep. I'm not going to be a believer in G2 again. I don't care that they have Kenny S. Nope. I don't care that they have Shocks. You know, Congratulations guys... to Shocks, by the way, on his wedding this week. Before we, yeah. before we totally go in on his team. <laughs> Congratulations, yeah. Mr. Papillon. I'm marrying your sweetheart, all that sort of stuff. It was a lovely picture, although I'm not entirely convinced about the all-white suits. So you were saying you're not convinced. <laughs> <laughs> you're as convinced by their team as I am by the all-white suits, basically. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know. I think that, you know, the way that their team is right now and the inconsistencies and, I mean, they've been, they've had their flaws in their lineup exposed more than if they had been shot while wearing white suits. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where 
I will not believe that Vintage Kenny is back until he can produce results on a regular basis across totally multiple agree. events. Totally I, agree. Shocks has never really been the problem. Um, I know that we're going to... I feel like I consistently crap on G2 yeah. phase and MIBR, but... Um, what do know, they all have in common? Part of it, they all stick they with have, name value over actual building a team for the future. Don't I was going to say they have one star that's legitimately still able to be called a star player, and then they have some washed-up people. Yeah, them so you have your Cold Sarah, you have your Shocks, you have you know these guys, FaZe, you have Nico. Then, mm-hmm. like, on every team, you also have people like, you know, Kenny, or I would say, I don't mean to be rude, sorry, Olaf Meister. Or, you know, to some extent, even over the last few months, Fallen and Fur, who don't actually justify the amount of fan fur they get anymore as in terms yeah. of their in-server in performance. I totally agree. Yeah, it's kind of the oppers if you look at it, honestly. I mean, well, Guardian hasn't really well, been around yeah. a whole lot. And... Yeah, I don't like to criticize Guardian because his stats in finals are big. But yeah. at the same time, no. I agree, Guardian as well is no longer, you know, there are there is a higher level of orper than Guardian right now. Yeah, I have the utmost respect mm. for him and truthfully don't understand how um, he's played at the level that he's played at for so long. He's and... a special dude. Like he's, a, You can tell he's yeah. a special like human being as well as being a Definitely. good player, you know, like you can tell from his attitude around the team and his attitude around the game that he just, he's a very People kind like of, being around him. Too. Yeah, exactly. He's a great teammate. He's not someone who plays the game with like stress and tension and stuff. He's someone who plays the game for love. And like, I do think he's going to be a great loss to the, so we're basically saying the group A, if you can call it a group is Astralis is to lose at this point with yep. the kind of fanatic bit. Now for regular listeners, yes, we did say the same thing about the last event Astralis went to. Uh, and yes, they did get banged out in the first game by Furia, so there is always that. But I think we re- I've written this this week. I think this is Astralis's kind of last chance to prove that they were just rusty, if that makes sense. If they yeah. mess the bed here, it's going to be very hard to go into Cologne with that kind of same we're still Astralis aura about them, you know? I agree. The other side of the bracket is where things are really, really interesting for me. I don't quite understand how this draw was made. But in Group B, you have FaZe, Tyloo, North, Liquid, Mouse, MIBR, Hellraisers, and Luminosity. Now, all of those teams have got really exciting players, in, in my opinion. Like, FaZe, Tyloo is one of those games that I wish was going to be more interesting than it is, but I just think it's a walkover for FaZe. But the first question I kind of want to ask about Group B is, as a North American fan, again, you've got all your mortgage, your medical degree, are you happy to put it on Team Liquid beating North in Round 1? Nope. No. So is this a Valder effect Absolutely or is this this... this is the Yugi effect. He mm. looked incredible. Um I forget what the last event that was it ECS that we saw him yeah. like absolutely North, popping yeah. off. And yeah. I think that he he looks scary right now. And with Valda at the helm and um just that level of maturity and the respect that I have for him as a player. Um maybe they're most best CSGO North... player right now. Yeah, I, I think North is a very dangerous team. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you take the pressure, I feel like that's kind of, I'm trying to think of like how I want to say this without sounding like a jackass, but <laughs> with KRB, I feel like he was never meant to be the star player. I feel like he was just kind of better in a position where people didn't really have high expectations of him and had the high expectations of the people around him. Cough, cough when he was on Astralis. Yeah. Um, and he was able to shine when he was on Astralis, 
because he didn't have all that pressure placed on him. Hmm. You know, people were expecting Device to shoulder the load. Um, you know, Dupree like as well. Stab, Dupree. Yeah. So they weren't looking to him to do the heavy lifting, which is exactly what they've expected from him when he's been playing for North. And I just don't think that he's handled that pressure well, handled that responsibility well. And I think that, um, you know, now that North has some legitimate stars who are playing like stars, I think that it kind of takes the pressure off of KRB. And I think that he's been playing better as a result. He, I thought he looked pretty good at ECS. I mean, Gade's popping off. And I think that this team is one that could actually really surprise some people. I would not be surprised uh, if they were able to take Liquid. Mm. Um, who lost the team spirit I, recently, by the way. So, yeah, we yeah not invincible. Yeah. And I also think that, um, you know, this is a team that could actually potentially run the gauntlet in the upper bracket, I think. Mm. I think that they could not only pull off a win against Liquid, but I think they could have probably take down the winner of Face Clan and Tyloo as oh, well. Yeah, to get... They're going to say the same thing, aren't they? So if Valda gets them to win against Liquid, he's going to go back in there and go, right, if we can beat Liquid, why are you scared of anyone else in this tournament? Including Astralis, let's be honest. I don't see right. North as being a team. Let's not forget that most of this North team has beaten Astralis already right. because they played them last year. I Also, I think you make a really excellent point about Kiebi. There are certain players, I believe Ferk is one of these players, who mm-hmm. are not capable of being... People always said, oh, imagine if you took Fur off, off SK or MBR and you put him on a different team. Like, you could build a team around him. I don't think you can. I don't think you can build a team around these players. They, are, they have to be the second star. Because part of what makes them brilliant is operating in the space created by Cold Zera or Device and Dupree, those sort of things. You know, they need, like you say, they need to be able to kind of react to what happens around the stars and play off that. And if you give them that, they can be genuine game changers. I actually think Zipex is one of these guys as well, who would never be a star player in any team. But if you put him in the right system, he can become, in theory, a sort of a star man, if that makes sense. I totally agree. Kiebi is probably one of the most maligned top players of the last 18 months. You know, he's been literally the butt of a meme for since he left Astralis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to see him. And I, I tend to totally agree. Yeah, I think, you know, if, and I could very easily see North, not very easily, but, you know, North versus Team Liquid is one of those matches where there's not going to be a lot of footage on North because they haven't played a lot of matches under Valder. And don't forget, even if you do get footage from their last tournament, they will have evolved a huge amount in the, in the time between then and now because they're going to be working on their game plan. So, yeah, I think there's a fragility, but then it also worries me there is still this fragility about Liquid, you know, the, yeah. this feeling, and like you best, say, that you don't know what you're going to get. And it's a best of one as well, so yeah. anything can happen. So it's just can one happen. of those things. Yep. So from that end of the draw, the other teams I wanted to talk about quickly. So... When I was writing about this, I was doing a sort of dark horse section. North were definitely in there. FaZe were in there a little bit. MIBR, I kind of... I think just because of how much of Cold Zero I've watched down the years, part of me still can't truly write MIBR off. It's getting... It's a little bit like Optic's Call of Duty team in my mind, where you can always maybe see them win a match or a series, even if they're not, you know. But it's Mouse Sports, I think, the other really interesting team at this part. Um... This is arguably their first proper tier one event with this lineup. Mm-hmm. Chris J drops Carrigan Boxic Frozen, for those who don't know. In the first round, Mouse Sports will face MIBR, which I think is a game that they should expect to win. 
And if they win that game, they go over against the winner of Hellraisers versus Luminosity. Now, there is a little bit potentially of uh, a banana skin in that Hellraisers team because you got to face Oscar. And you've got to face, let's be honest, Hellraisers are actually supremely talented for the massive underperformances we always see from them. Right. Do you think Mouse going to... There's a potential for Mouse to go a long way in this tournament. Do you think we could see a, a top four or even better from this Mouse sports team? Um, I think we could, but I think it'll probably have to come from the lower bracket. Um, I don't necessarily think that I see a world where... I don't know. I mean, I... The thing is, it's a best of one, so I do think that MIBR might be able to get it done in a best of one format. Yeah. Um, I don't know that they would win in a best of three against Mouse right now, but I think they could take a best of one, uh, which would knock Mouse down pretty quickly. Um, and then, you know, we'd we'd have to see what they could do from there. But um, I do think that they have a very talented lineup, and Hellraisers, I feel like, is kind of the same way. I feel like whoever comes out of this bottom half of group B mm-hmm. um, they'll guarantee their playoff spot um, just by making it to the third upper bracket round. Yeah. But um, I don't have a lot of confidence in whoever that team is from this half of group B um, going into the playoffs. So I just think that overall, if, if you divide group A and group B into, you know, mm-hmm. like, basically into four groups. Um, so top A, top or top A, bottom A, top yeah, B, yeah. bottom B. Um, I think this bottom B group is probably the weakest of the four um, mm. when it comes to going up against one another. Um, just because we don't really have, you know, a standout, a standout lineup here that's going to, you know, run away with this part of the group. I mean, you could argue that, you know, if Liquid has kind of woken up now that they almost didn't qualify for Cologne, um, you know, you could argue that they could run through the top of Group B and um, all the way through into the playoffs and just be riding a high. You can argue that Energy or Fnatic are going to run through the top of the upper Group of A, Astralis through the bottom of A. But mm. when you look at the bottom of B, it's it's a toss-up. I mean, either one, any of these four teams could win the best of one in the first round. And then, you know, after that, you know, who knows? But um, I do think the really scary teams to watch um, for this particular um, part of the bracket would be um, probably Hellraisers and Mouse. Hmm. Um, I feel like we haven't seen a super good performance from Issa since this new lineup has kind of come to fruition um and i think he's a very underrated player um but i would there's a huge part of me that would absolutely love to see mouse and hellraisers meet um in the next round so i kind of hope that that's the way this goes yeah Um, but it's just one of those things where you don't really know what could happen um and I would just like to note that since we were talking about G2's inconsistency, they're currently throwing against Greyhound. So, um, <laughs> it's nice when the world works like that, isn't it? Where you take call a team inconsistent and then 20 minutes later they're losing to a bunch of Australians and New Zealanders. Yeah. Uh, sad times, poor G2. If only there was some 29,000 euros a month they could use to keep themselves warm. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> overall, we're. Ex- I guess we'll do it because we're, you know, 
you're not going to be here when it's finished anyway because you'll be doing exams. Are you picking an Astralis Liquid final for this? Do you want to put your neck on the line and say, I think X or Y team? For me, this tournament is very wide open, and I could see... I mean, I still expect one. I still expect Team Liquid to win this tournament, to be honest. But I could equally see this being one of those ones that Phase comes through and wins because a lot of the teams that will bother a Phase, for example, like No Ents, No Vitality. Where where would you put no your? Fury, yeah. yeah, no Fury. Well, no Fury. Yeah. So where where will you where would you put your uh, your two cents for this one if you were actually going to have to pick a winner? I still think that this is Liquid's tournament to lose. Yeah. Um, I think that. Um, you know, it was kind of the best case scenario for them to lose to Team Spirit in the last, you know, week or so, I think, because as a result, they kind of, you know, they were riding some kind of a high. And, a reality check uh, for them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. when I was growing up, my parents both went to uh, the University of Illinois here, and there was a season where um, their basketball team went undefeated for almost the entire season, and they finally lost right before um, the, you know, March Madness tournament, and a lot of people said, oh, well, this is the best thing that could ever happen to them because now they don't have the pressure of like an undefeated season looming over them in addition to the expectation to win everything. And I feel like that's kind of what's happening for Liquid right now. Mm. You know, they just got their butt kicked by a team that absolutely in no world should ever beat them. And as a result, they're like, oh, shit, we need to hit the drawing board again and refocus. And they got it done. You know, they snagged that last spot for Cologne. Um, and now you know, having had that like moment of panic earlier this week, it's better that they have that now, or it's better. They had that like four days ago than, you know, in the first round here, um, at, um, Montpellier. How do you, yeah. how do you say it? Montpellier. I'm, I'm an American. Montpellier. Okay, so yeah. The T is silent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's French. It's French people. Like they use lots of French. Are, like they're not quite up there with the Welsh when it comes to using letters that you don't pronounce. But there is there is a lot of like implication in French. I also this is <clears throat> because this is a CSGO podcast. I can I have been told by a very reliable source that French is a more romantic language than any other in the world in terms of the response women have to being spoken to in French versus other languages. So if you wanna talk to a lady in a way that she doesn't understand, French is the way to do it. Although my girlfriend actually speaks French, so it doesn't work for me because she just takes a mic out my pronunciation and tells me I'm saying it wrong. So. <laughs> life sucks for the English as we all know so you're saying this is liquids to lose I'm going to say and this is me saying this because of the world I want to live in not the world that I do live in I think Astralis is going to win this tournament and we're going to have a banging final Astralis win the final and then ESL Cologne happens and Liquid win the final and we don't know who's going to win the major but my feeling is that there's this part of this pit of my stomach and my stomach's a big place as it is part of the pit of my stomach says we're just going to see Astralis do what they did at ECS season seven. And it is the end of what was a beautiful, a beautiful era for Counter-Strike um, when they moved the game forward. Now, speaking of moving forward, we're going to get on to some happier news because like I said, we talked a little bit about DAPS and we can talk a little bit about Cloud9 now because there is a rumor being, I believe it comes from Rushby Media originally. Will Land over on Rushby Media was one of the, I'm not entirely sure if he was the first person, that Cloud9 are looking into signing Daps and Tens is his name. Not to mm -hmm. be confused with Tenzero or Tenski, who I think also play, but are yeah. different people. Uh, oh, no, it is Tenzero. 
it is Tenzo error. My, my, my bad. Yeah, he was Tenzo who also used to play as, play as Tenzo error. To replace uh, Sick and Golden. No, sorry, Vice and Golden. I don't know why I said... Oh, I know why I said Sick. It's because it's Golden, so I assume it's still Sick. Anyway, but yeah, so this would take them back to an 80% American lineup, with, of course, Cajun mm -hmm. B being the, the odd man out. 20%, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got. I, I. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go just because I know Waldo's gonna like say this, so I'm gonna go. For me personally, this would be a mistake. I can see a great argument for bringing Golden out of the team, not because of his ability, because I think Golden is pretty much when he's fit and he's healthy and he's able to play and lead. I think he's a very, very underrated leader, and arguably at least on Dapsy's level. I personally would keep Vice and Sack. Cajun B and go to an all-American lineup if I was to make this move. But I understand why Cajun B is not going to be sacked because I'm sure Vice is on a much lower wage, he's on a much lower, you know, much cheaper to get rid of him. So I like the idea. I think Daps is a good, a decent kind of signing. But yeah, I'm not entirely sure about the overall. And I must admit, I know people were excited about 10s era, 10s in. I've seen people get excited about FPL. I haven't seen a huge amount from him in Zerva. So, how do you feel? Um, <coughs> Excuse me. I think about this one. Bless you. Thank you. Um, I think that it's one of those things that you know, Vice just kind of flopped. I mean, you know, Cloud9 picked him up from Rogue, partly out of convenience and partly out of hope that he would develop into the talent that he was kind of supposed to be, um, and then turned out to not be that talent. Um, a plastic oboe. Yeah. So I think that it's one of those things where um, Cloud9 right now is kind of in you know panic mode. And mm -hmm. I hate that they're doing this. I really do. Because I thought they were going to finally have some stability right now. And I frankly thought that hitting rock bottom and bombing out um, of the qualifiers was going to be... Like one of those, like kind of like forged in steel, like you know, iron crucible kind the of. The only way is up. Suffer, yeah. Well, when yeah. you suffer through everything with, you know, the people around you, then you know it stands to reason that you'll, you know, build stronger ties to those people. Yeah. And, um, which is like basically the whole idea behind like fraternity hazing, but that's an entirely different story. I mean, it's the whole um, idea behind what I. I to more positive, Astralis suffered together for a long time, yep. losing semi-finals, and it's no coincidence that when they won all that stuff, it wasn't with a new five-man group. It was the same people who had learned the lesson, you know. Yeah, and I think that Cloud Nine is continuing to make the same mistake over and over again. I don't know why. I don't know what they have to gain from continuously just reworking something that isn't working and ensuring that it will not work in the near future by <laughs> continuing to change the pieces. And I just don't understand how there's how a major winning team can be this unstable. I really, really, really don't get it because I don't know if it's just that, you know, they're you know, so results driven that there's like pressure from up top to, you know, we have to get like a winning team by this day and like blah, 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 blah. But 
part of me thinks that that could be true. I mean, if you look at Cloud9, they have a lot of success um, in their other esports. Um, you know, their PUBG team just qualified for, you know, the big international event in Sweden, I think. And, you know, their Rocket League team is one of the best in the world. Overwatch uh, coming back. Yeah, Overwatch yeah. coming back. Uh, Mango plays for Cloud9 for Smash, right? So, yeah. Um, there's, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, really successful names playing for cloud nine. And I don't know if they're just trying to like make an excuse to just like off their counter-strike division or what, but like, it feels like this is like the, to me, it feels like they're kind of like the blemish in the cloud nine realm of fielding esports teams. It's actually and... a really interesting point, isn't it? Because there are teams like TSM who don't field an esports team in CSGO. And I have often wondered if that's because TSM look at, or who field, you know, non, an insignificant one. And I wonder if it's because the owners say, we're not going to be in this sport if we can't be the best, you know? Right. And it's something Liquid you... has said about CSGO. Right. I mean, and if you, if you think that there's not, you know, enough people available right yeah. now to make a winning team, then there's a strong argument for just not making a team at all instead of just saying, well, you know, we're major winners. We need to have a Counter-Strike team. Let's just cobble together whatever five people we can. For the sponsor deck. Go embarrassingly lose to a bunch of kids that are just, you know, pugging together on Mirage. So I think it's one of those things that, um, you know, it's tough for me to watch because I felt a tremendous amount of pride when... I got to watch NA finally win a major, like against all odds. Like I still remember like sitting and screaming at my computer mm. and just being really, really happy. And then I watched the whole team explode like a month later. And I was like, God damn, they, they ruined everything. And I hated MIBR for weeks after that. And I eventually got over it because I love fallen and cold zero and what they've done for the game. But I don't think I it was all MIBR's fault either. I, I think no, I don't Cloud think it was either. To let that happen. Yeah, I, I, I just, and I, I came to terms with it, but it was really tough for me to watch NA finally have success and then immediately just turn their back on the lineup that you know actually managed to do it. I mean, there's a reason why Liquid is the team that just became the first NA. That World felt like it was one. Cloud Nine's to lose, wasn't it? I mean, if you think it's, right. it's amazing to think Cloud Nine win the Boston Major, and then don't, the and then the first exactly first. the first North American World Number One we ever see isn't Cloud Nine. I, I know I've told this story before. There is this apocryphal tale of Jack in the wake of Cloud Nine winning that tournament, panicking because he realised he was now going to have to support the team to an extent that he hadn't before, and mm-hmm. it honestly feels like he went the other way. And like you say, just said. What if I stop supporting the team? You know, I still have an American CSGO team, you know, and it's got, hey, look, we've got Automatic. He's really good and you know, all this different stuff going on. And, I, you know, I fully respect that from Jack. But at the same time, there's a free Automatic movement going on on Reddit right now. Yeah. And I, 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 I feel don't terrible. completely disagree. Yeah, I mean, it's his own fault because he had the chance to get out to MIBR. Mm-hmm. But that's one thing I will say now. I don't have any doubt in my head that Stewie made the right decision to leave Cloud9 at this point because as much as yes that group of five people if you had removed Skadoodle uh, and put a decent sniper in there would have been a great team I don't think the organization was ever going to 
give them the help they needed, the support they needed. And that, of course, also brings into question how much were the org involved in the major win in the first place? Now, yeah, I don't think I think it's an understated point too that just how difficult it must have been for Stewie to leave the organization that, that he gave made his chance. name. Yeah, yeah, I think that you know if you know Counter Strike, you know that Stewie had a pretty tumultuous path to being a professional. Mm player and you know his family did not support it and there were periods of time where like he just straight up did not speak to his family because you know they were disappointed in him for you know prioritizing counter-strike over school sometimes and you know his grades suffered and you know his family just couldn't understand him um and you know cloud nine was kind of his escape that was his you know basically it justified all of that hard work that he put in to make it to the pro scene. Hmm. Um, and for him to turn his back on that, you know, to me, it wouldn't have been easy. That, no, it wouldn't have been easy. And I took that as a sign that there was something seriously wrong with, um, you know, the chemistry or something that we were not aware of. I didn't know if it was the team chemistry or if, you know, Stewie knew that Skadoodle was going to step down and that he knew that the team fabric would not be the same or, you know, if there's something with the management of the team, whatever it might be that's happening behind the scenes, I think Stewie was able to see the writing on the wall and was able to get out before the wall came crumbling down. And I see that now. I mean, I already say, I already said five minutes ago, you know, how gutted I felt when I saw that lineup fell apart. And um, it's it sucks, but um, it's just one of those things. So you that, don't see this um, as being a change that could take them back there? I don't think so. No, I I don't think I could see this iteration of Cloud Nine. Honestly, I could. I don't know if I could see them making playoffs at a major in 2019. So I'm going to go one Let further. On. Let's say you do this move. You bring in Daps and Tens. You get rid of Golden and Stip. And then you sat Cajun B and you sign Wardell. Automatic goes back to being a hybrid star. He can be your simple, so he can still ult when he wants to, but he can come out with his rifles as well. Wardell gets to snipe. Are you more excited then? Because I've got to admit, I was expecting... I was fully expecting Wardell to be right on top of Cloud9's list. We know yeah, they've gone for him so. before. We know he's crazy talented. And we know that Automatic is, is a, not just an AWPer, but an all-around very, very good player. So I, I find it a bit confusing that they didn't go after the Ghost guys. Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing. I think the Ghost is dangling a carrot in front of Cloud9 right now. Because if yeah. they decided to get out of Counter-Strike, and the only player that they still have... Conveniently like, under contract. Conveniently yeah. tied to them is the one that they want to sell to Cloud9. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that that's what's going on here. Um, that's why I'm kind of hesitant about these rumors is because I think Wardell's a much more proven pro than uh, Tens. So I think that um, I'm a little more inclined to believe um, that maybe they go for um, Wardell and then drop Cajun. Um, I think that that's more realistic. I think Golden is really underappreciated um as yeah, I agree. In game leader. i think i mean there are times when he's the only player that looks like he can like aim in the entire map um i think he's but... a, like a swedish stand in a weird way where he's an in-game leader who can frag who doesn't and i don't know if this is just like you know how we as a fan you love to create like a narrative in your head you have no idea if it's real part of me kind of thinks golden doesn't seem to feel pressure 
And maybe that comes from having heart problems in your early 20s that I, you know everything else just sort of goes into perspective and you stop stop feeling quite as scared about the idea you might lose a game of Counter-Strike. But he's one of those guys, like, the closest analogue I can find to it is Exist, where he's not going to, like, take over a map like Fallen Woods, but you could be in a grand final and he'll do the same thing he would have done in round one, which yeah. I think is incredibly valuable at this level of any competition. Um, I agree. We'll move on, of course, Cologne very quickly. We now know who is going to be going to Cologne. There are 16 teams, and one of them is Team Liquid, the 16th team, I believe, to make it. Uh, briefly, I'm pretty happy about this. I think um, the whole unofficial major thing is overplayed, but when I look at the ESL1 Cologne lineup, there's no team off the top of my head that is jumping out that should be there that isn't. You know, We have Astralis, Liquid Ents, Vitality, we have Na'Vi and FaZe, we have MIBR and Fnatic and NRG, we have Nip, we we even have Furia, we have Renegades. So, yeah, we're missing a Cloud9, but I mean, from my point of view, Cologne looks like it is ready to be the best thing since Katowice now. Um, I guess we're not going to get to talk about it, we might not get to talk about it for example, we to see, but I guess you're pretty happy about Liquid being in Cologne as well, finally means we've got a chance at American, we've got two American representatives there now with NRG. And we will, of course, be seeing Dapsless NRG for the first time. So it's going to be pretty hype, I think. Yeah, I think that it's one of those things that, you know, everybody's kind of looking forward to just because, you know, this is the culmination of a lot of lineups. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, Liquid is kind of in the best form that they've been in um, with this lineup, which is exciting. Uh, to say the least, energy. I don't know if I should have high expectations for them or not, just because I feel like it's such a weird time to switch daps out because they're finally doing well. Um, they just wrapped up a game against Fnatic and won um, in Montpellier. Montpellier. Um, can't say it. Um, yeah. ugly, ugly American accent, sorry. No, um, no. So, um, I mean, they're finally looking good with the team that they had and... Um, it sucks. It sucks for Daps, and uh, I don't know um, how seamlessly that transition will go, and if they'll just fall flat as a result, or if it's going to be exactly what they need, and an energy will be a legit contender for this event. We'll have to see. But um, I do think the teams that, in my mind, stand out as teams that you um, shouldn't be sleeping on right now are um, Navi. We haven't seen them at pretty much anything. And we know that they have a new lineup, and it sounds like they're pretty motivated and have been working hard to get ready with that new lineup. So um, conversely, to NRG, who is currently playing with a dead lineup and will be switching over just in time for Cologne, uh, Navi is already playing with their new lineup and getting used to one another and getting ready for Cologne specifically. Hmm. So... Um, I think that um, Navi is probably a team that um, could be dangerous at this event. Uh, we'll see how um, Boomich is uh, kind of assimilating into um, that group. And quite frankly, I'm very excited to see the prospect of um, actual Navi and not just uh, simple and friends. Yeah. So um, we'll see how that goes. Another team that I'm really excited to watch is Big. Um, I don't really understand um, 
why Sprout has gotten so good now that Dennis um, has kind of disappeared. Um, I feel like they're playing a million times better without him. So I'm excited to see if Big are able to capitalize on this new lineup or if Dennis is really just kind of dead weight. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Um, I mean, the rumor is, of course, Dennis is a, hold, a placeholder for the return of the smooth. Right. Which I think so, a lot of people can see big need, but at the same time, if you want to talk about Cloud9 doing the same thing over and over again and not learning from the mistakes, I can't help feeling that if they bring Smoo back in six months down the line, it'll be Smoo back out again. So I don't know. Well, about that. He's just one of those players that's so supremely talented that you know you you can justify putting him in just about any team, but it seems like he has. I mean, that's, I think he thought Outside that, but I'm not sure the last few months have actually shown that to be the case. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he shows his talent yeah. know, on stream and in show matches and stuff, and he's a talented player, but at some point, you know, you have to wonder, you know, how much, you know, his off offline personality and... It's like you said at the start of the show, it's a, it's a team game. You cannot just have five good players anymore. You also have to have a team, and if one person damages that team then doesn't matter how good they are individually also you are a genius because you talked about finally coming good at the wrong time which is unfortunately what happened for optic yep if you want to talk us through for those that don't know optic gaming were just sold to uh, the infinite esports group no the infinite esports group was already to immortals gaming all these super interesting names that they give each give themselves. So yeah, Op- Optic, which would be uh, Houston Outlaws, I want to say, and then uh, yep. the CS:GO team, the COD team, which is obviously the kind of the jewel in the crown of Optic right now. Uh, the League of Legends. Yeah, the League of Legends spot, That's- which is what IMT actually wanted, but sadly, because Immortals already own at least one Counter Strike team, maybe two, uh, the Optic Counter Strike team is no more. And they went out with a bit of a bang, apparently. Yeah. So um, Optic are probably going... We don't really... I mean... All the, all the signs point to the fact they're going to be dropped. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, there hasn't been an official... Oh, you know, this team is just SOL. You know, we haven't heard that they aren't getting like paid anymore or anything like that. Like, mm-hmm. nothing, nothing crazy. But um, we do know that they are supposed to be the team that gets divested, which is kind of funny to me because I, frankly, I was throwing around in my head. I was like, I actually think Optic might have more potential as a lineup than MIBR. But um, I think that what this proved is that MSL is probably, I talked about Golden, but I think that MSL is probably the most underappreciated in-game leader in Counter-Strike, and here's why. You have him at North. North isn't having the results they want. They blame MSL as a scapegoat, and they ship him off to the U.S. MSL has time in the U.S. to work with his project, and he turns Rogue into a team that was actually able to beat Liquid 2-0 and run the gauntlet to qualify for ECS the first week. They were able to beat, you know, all the competition in NA and secure a spot at ECS in that first week. Mm. Rogue decides to part ways with their Counter-Strike team after Optic manages to swipe back MSL 
and Nico. MSL and, not blameless in that, obviously. Yeah. Right. And you know, that sucked that I, that sucked for me personally, because I was like, wow, you know, this is really shitty. Um, you know, this team gave you a chance. You finally got somewhere with them and then you immediately turned your back and part of it's like, okay, fine. You wanted to go home, whatever. Um, but now with the situation with optic, it's like, wow, this is karma happening a lot faster than I thought it would. Um, and you know, optic are finally able to win an event. Um, this might not be an event that a lot of people would look at, but if you look at this event, it was more than they achieved are, before they got dropped. Is what you're saying, basically. It's 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 more than they achieved in that way. But also, if you look at this event, these are a lot of teams that are right on the verge mm. of being, you know, serious contenders at you know any tier two or three event, and you know, decent upset potential at a tier one event. Um, you've got. Um, RC, which is uh, the Taz project, um, which is like a throwback to. I actually read up on this a little bit. It's um, one of the original um, Counter Strike lineups uh, from Poland back in the 1.6 days. And right. Taz brought back all the branding, and um, they actually just signed with an organization that had so much respect for um, the brand that they threw their current brand out the window, and they said, "We're going to back." Uh, we're going to back RC as is. We have too much respect for um, the history associated with the name to make them play under our name as an organization. I'm also so, willing to bet their current organization name wasn't worth as much from a marketing point of view as the yeah. one that Taz was bringing. We're going to throw away the brand that no one's ever heard of in exchange for this wonderful brand that everyone's already heard of. It's the same as the MIBR yeah. thing, you know, like Immortals threw away the Immortals branding. Yeah. Because MIBR was worth more. It is ironic that this is the karma, kind of karma that Optic don't want for their game teams because for those who know call of duty karma has always been a good thing for that side but yeah it does but suck for them I... it does suck for the players i don't i must admit my sympathies don't particularly follow msl because he could have stayed with the rogue team and they probably would have still been together now yeah and... and i don't think it took a genius to look at optic gaming when he moved to them and realize it wasn't a particularly good situation to be in like sure it's optic but that's a little bit like winning the World Cup and then moving to Manchester United because they were the best team in Europe 10 years ago. You know, It's like Optic the name and Optic the organization are very far apart now. And you know, the, the, the group right. that you move to today, you can see the results of what we're seeing now. So it's sad. I don't know where that group goes off the top of my head. I feel right now, I don't know if you agree with this, we have more players than teams in CSGO right now. You know, If you look yeah. at the group of players who are I'm not just talking about the no chances and the game allegiance and those people. You know, there, there are huge numbers of young players and people like Smuya who you think should be on a team, but there is not a lot of there's not as much gainful employment as there are people looking to be gainfully employed. If that makes sense. And I go back to this. I look at Luminosity, not a particularly big organization in Counter Strike, currently playing with Henny and Lucas and Steel and Bolts on their team. You know, so. If you're a European or an American, you're not willing to do what Henny and Lucas and Bolts and Steel have done and go back to that sort of like lower level and work back up again. I don't. Right. I think it's quite difficult these days to to really be a success unless you are a twist or a nap or a you know device. Absolutely, I think that you know this is, and and you have you just made the perfect point. I mean, uh. you look at the teams in this event and. I think that this event was more about like struggling for sponsorships and like backing 
for these lineups as it was about, you know, actually winning the event. I mean, it was, you know, not a, I guess, like a inconsequential um, event. I mean, $50,000 to the winner and a slot at DreamHack Masters Malmo. Um, I mean, it wasn't insignificant, but I mean, you look at the teams that were probably hoping to, um, you know, do something here. You've got Crazy, which is the former Valiance and Company lineup. Um, and you've got Team Ancient, which is like the Swedish revival project. Um, and Prodax probably... isn't on there anymore, is it? No, he's not. Because Prodax being on Team Ancient was just killing me every time I saw it. <laughs> yeah. So I think they swapped him out for Rusty. Um, okay. So he's. Um, no longer um i think he i think it says something about him retiring but um don't quote me on that um tricked i believe uh, pronax did say he was walking away from csgo yeah as a player he said he had a project which is again something a lot of people have been saying about these older players for a while you know get get yourself into that organization get some of that vc money coming in there's a bloke called nade shot in america if you can manage 10 percent of what he did in his post playing career yeah, and for those who don't know, by the way, Nade Shot was a decent, but he was never like one of the world's greatest players. He played on some great teams, but you know he captained an Optic team that he was probably the least talented person on for a time. So yeah, no, there are there are chances out there. I've keep looking at Scream and thinking to myself, do you really want to keep playing? Do you not want to just get some money? But you got to admire the people yeah. who do. So yeah, my my biggest takeaway from DreamHack Open. Um, and I just, cause I, I don't want to just keep like beating to death a more or less insignificant tournament. Yeah. Um, other than this is a nice win for optic when they're going to probably be looking for a new org soon to say, Hey, you Great know, point. We, have Great the, point. we have the ability to play at a top level. Yeah. You know, here's our resume as this lineup. It's not just, Oh, you know, we lost our star player, please. He's a complete to... team ready to right. go. Yeah. And Refresh has a lot of potential, so I think that they will probably get picked up by somebody. Um, you know, there are a couple of teams that were interested in Counter-Strike that I don't know how much they're willing to commit to paying a roster that's used to being paid like a top-level roster. Um, the first one that comes to mind is Team Queso. Uh, just had to let their uh, Counter-Strike lineup go because they were accused of like throwing a match. Um <laughs> Because, and I, I heard some stuff about this actually, but um, the reason they threw the match was because um, they knew that their matchup later on in the event would be better if they lost it than if they won it. Hmm. Um, so it was something to do with poor tour- tournament organization as well and blah, 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 blah. But all points aside, Team Queso is without a lineup. They're um, interested in being in the CSGO space. I just don't know how much money they're willing to commit to um, you know, a team of actually well-known players versus a bunch of nobodies that play in like Tier 4 tournaments. Yeah, um, it's the potential. I mean, then, is it, is, this Optic team isn't like a cheap team that you could sign and might get better. They're right. quite an expensive team that probably are actually asking for more money than they're worth right now. Probably. Yeah. So, um, but the big takeaway for this event for me was how much Avangar flopped. Yeah. Um, they were 
they barely beat Windstrike. Um, you know, they didn't make it out of the groups in an event where, you know, you likely going into it would have had them winning, um, winning the event or at least being in the grand final with Optic. Um, and quite frankly, I mean, losing to losing to RC, not good enough. Um, not for that avant-garde lineup. And then losing to Trick 2-0, um, really, really, really not good enough. Um, so it sucks, but, um, you know, that's kind of just the way it is sometimes. And, um, you can't always have it your way. And it's the um, way CSGO goes. I mean, this is the beauty, isn't it? We don't have a franchise. Guess what guys? Players aren't safe in franchise leagues either, but we don't have a franchise. So your employment is not guaranteed until tomorrow. And then it is an open system. And the, the beauty of the open system is it produces you know, people like simple, and Stewie2k, who are the strongest, most talented players who have to fight their way up to the top. You know, they aren't 16-year-old prodigies signed to the best team in Overwatch already. They're people who have to come up through, you know, the Vega squadrons of this world. Or what team was Stewie on? Was it Denial? I can't remember what team he was on before he was on Cloud9. But he was on one of those yeah. smaller teams. But the flip yeah. side of that is, like, it is, it is absolutely brutal. You know, you can fall off so fast and for every Kenny S who does nothing and continues to make the big money there are five people like you know I mean don't forget Pronax we just talked about one of the most successful in-game leaders of all time a true legend of this game and major he, winner he retired as something of a joke because he refused to stop playing before he became terrible so it is a brutal brutal and beautiful world that's the thing about it it's the brutality that creates these sad stories also creates these incredible players. And I don't know. I It seems a funny way to end the podcast to talk about Dota, but having just written and continued to write about Dota and Dota Majors and TI and stuff, one of the things I found really refreshing about 2018-19 Counter-Strike has been how many players that have come up and been amazing that I either had never heard of or had only heard of once you know oboe is just the latest in the long line of sergi and ziwu and blame f blame f there are so many there are so many amazing players who frozen two years ago you wouldn't even have heard of i mean brolan i just forgot brolan like there yep. this is every team you look at you know there's this is this is a game where truth the lineup of furia yeah i mean yeah that's what i'm talking about like the NRG, you know, don't forget Breezy and Ethan two years ago. No one's going to tell you Breezy and Ethan are top talents two years ago. So it's constantly evolving. It's constantly moving. It's going to ESL Montpellier is going to be amazing. ESL One Cologne is going to be even more amazing. I'm pretty convinced Doctor Waldo is going to be an amazing doctor and going to ace his exams. Um, That's what I'm hoping. Is there anything you'd like to leave us with? Any final advice or thoughts before you head off to become a man? Um, get off to the mountains uh, to become a man. <laughs> I mean, it sounds yeah. like you're going to go and slay some kind of monster. You don't get your yeah. special tribal tattoo if you don't come back with its pelt. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, that's pretty much. I I feel like that's what boards is, just on a more intellectual than a. Yeah. It's more of a brain brains over brawn situation, but pretty much an equivalent uh, obstacle yeah. to overcome. But um, no, I just wanted to say I really appreciate the opportunity um, to you know come here every week for however long we've been doing this and. Um, you know, I would have never thought that 
people would have actually, you know, given a shit about what I think about Counter-Strike. And um, it's really cool to have had the opportunity. So thank you um, to Luckbox and uh, to Tim for having me week after week and, um, you know, not getting so sick of me that he was like, yeah. Oh, no, I've enjoyed it, mate. I'm sure we'll we'll get some more done in the future when you get back from being a... When you become Absolutely. a real doctor. Although, having said that, I understand doctors do have quite uh, long hours. So. Yeah, so <laughs> we'll see how we can do it. I mean, if, uh, oh gosh, the coach for um, ATK, oh, previously yeah. Bravado, he's a trained physician um, by day and CSGO coach by night. So, oh, wow. Um, that's a uh, pretty cool, I, I follow him on Twitter just because... That's kind of. Like I think I don't know if I'm right. Goals. I know the owner of Panda Gaming is also a doctor. I don't know if he's actually a doctor of medicine. Yeah, yeah there are a few, and one of my favourite Smash players actually just quit. Yeah, he is Doctor Alan Bunny. Um, he's the owner of the Samurai Panda, owner of Panda Gaming, who support a lot of the best uh, Smash players. Also a doctor. Cool. So yeah, it is. It is always cool to see people, and it's also cool to see. You know, I personally love seeing this kind of support from. <sighs> this this is going to be weird tangent to another. We get a lot of support from musicians. We get a lot of support from sports stars and from rappers and stuff. But there is something kind of cool about seeing, you know, the the white collar people come in here and also be like, I love esports and stuff. You know, the people who have that because it's it's easy to draw lines between, you know, oh, ex ex athlete just plays PlayStation. That's why he's interested. In it. But like, you know, this is an area that is genuinely attractive to all, all kinds of people. Yeah, and, uh, as opposed to you know Jeremy Jeremy Lin being involved in Dota is really cool. Um, now NBA champion, and one of my favorite things that I've seen um, on Twitter, which you know not hard to um, make my day on Twitter because yeah. there's so much crap to sort through. The lines, but, not hot, um, yeah, yeah. Um, but seeing the Dota Two community reaching out and congratulating Jeremy Lin, who is the you know controlling owner of JStorm, mm. the Dota team. Um, which super narcissistic if we're going to go into that. But um, <laughs> I think that um, it was really cool seeing the intersection of esport and traditional sport because, you know, a whole community of people were reaching out to congratulate Jeremy Lin yeah. on his becoming an NBA champion. So um, 51 really, seconds really cool. of play or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, it was absurd. But <laughs> there's got to be a line, guys. You've got to play more than a minute to get a medal. Come on, take take what take what you can get, I guess. But well, in um, the Premier League, you got to play 10 games. If you want to, you have, there's, a, there's a certain number of games that used to always used to be that if you didn't play X number of games, even if you're in the squad, you didn't get a winner's medal. And it seemed a bit harsh, but at the same time, like, what have you done? <laughs> Right, but yeah, Jeremy Lin, I, I'm personally happy for him just because that guy was amazing for a long time and won nothing. And yep. as a person who grew up loving Alan Iverson, I will always have a soft spot for people who are amazing and win nothing. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So, so yes. Good luck, Waldo. Thank luck you and congrats. Yep. And congrats to uh, Windigo as well uh, for winning oh, the yeah. tournament in Portugal. Um. I they were one of my picks to be a breakthrough team here in 2019. So. I quite, um, I quite like the look of them for a little, if they can make it to the major. A little, yeah. Maybe it so. shocks some people. Again, another one of those all nationality teams. So, yeah, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk that, about that when you are back from the board. And hopefully, yeah, and hopefully no visa issues because no that issues, was yeah. super annoying the last time out. But It's Germany, so you. it should be okay. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. So, but thank you guys so much again. I really yeah. appreciate the opportunity to be here and, um, yeah, thanks you guys take care, and I'll be back soon. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening, and hopefully we'll catch up with you soon another week in CSGO. Uh-huh.
Oh, <laughs> my